his mind. And here is your host, Gary Cachulio. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I'm your host, Gary Cacciolillo. And before we get started, I want to thank everybody for listening and also thank the contributors to the show, who are executive producers Candice Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, Joseph Sinkovic, author of How to Kiss the Universe, Ms. Aida, author of A List of Demonic Names, A Pocket Guide for the Paranormal Investigator, Exorcist, Psychic, and Metaphysical Practitioner. Monthly co-host, Jared Murphy, author of It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us. And this episode is being sponsored by Ginger Glasser. And you can find Ginger at tarotbyginger.com. And she is a fantastic tarot greeter. And if you're looking for a reading just for fun, or a little bit of insight into a major decision or event that's coming up, I highly recommend her. That's at www.tarotbyginger.com. And now, without further ado, our guest for today, I'm not sure if I'm going to butcher his last name, Mike Familian. And I had met, I met him at the Bigfoot uh, Festival in White Hall, New York. And uh, I asked him to be a guest. And he is a squatcher from my home state, New Jersey. And he also has a YouTube channel, uh, a show. It's called In the Shadow of the Big Red Eye, where they go around investing squatches. And uh, thank you for coming on. Hey, yeah, Gary, thanks for having me. I, I super appreciate it. It's nice to see you again. Yeah. So what got you into squatch to begin with? It's always the first question when I bring yeah. this topic. <clears throat> got to got to start at the beginning, right? Well, it it happened uh, back in 2011, so about uh, 11 years ago. Uh, I was uh, I was working at a beach resort in Florida. I was watching Finding Bigfoot on TV, right? Well, I used and, to watch it religiously. Yeah, it was a good show, and I wasn't into it or anything. I was just kind of watching it in the background, and they were like, uh, "If you want to come out with us, you know, uh, email us." So I was like, "Okay." Uh, I had never been camping ever before in my entire life. So this is my first time ever camping. So, uh, and I was engaged at the time and I didn't tell my fiance that we were going to go squatching. Right. <laughs> so I started acquiring all this camping gear and she's like, what are we doing? And I'm like, "Hun, we're going to go look for Bigfoot in Flor- in North Florida. So I was living down in, in Florida at the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, then we broke up. So I don't know. Um, <laughs> so I, <laughs> so I ended up getting a partner uh, on the ambulance. I'm an EMT, uh, and I got a partner on my ambulance to come with me to this event, and um, nothing happened, really, the entire time. Um, uh, we paid a lot of money to come on this thing, and uh, I was kind of a little upset, but it was cool for hiking and whatever, For, for we met some really cool witnesses and stuff, but um, nothing in the way of Bigfoot uh, until, like, the last night, and... Um, we were up, we were watching a meteor shower, me and my buddy Jimmy, and uh, we hear a tree knock from one direction. And uh, I immediately, instantly thought that it's these people that put on the expedition that are knocking on tree, you know, uh, getting our money's worth out of the expedition, right? 
And then I hear about um, uh, two minutes later, another tree knock from the complete opposite direction. And I'm like, wow, these people are pretty good. Uh, that's pretty intense what they're doing. Right. Um, and then it begins. So then uh, about five minutes later, a uh, fist sized rock comes and lands like 10 feet away from our fire. Mm-hmm. You could hear it come crashing through the trees, you know, um, it's a pine forest. So you could hear the branches kind of breaking as the rock came, came tumbling down through. And, um, uh, I was like, wow, this is how horror movies start. And I, had, my buddies, I, I got scared. Like I said, this is my first time ever camping in the woods. So, um, I was like, well, I'm going to go sleep in the car because this is absolutely crazy. And, um, uh, my, my buddy, Jimmy, he finally talks some sense into me and he's like, Mike, this could be Bigfoot activity. This is what Bigfoot do. They throw rocks and they knock on trees. Like this, this could be like some, some squatch activity that we're actually having here. Um, so we talked me back out of the car, uh, and over the next like 15 minutes, four more of these fist sized rocks came, came out of the trees and landed like five to 10 feet away from us. Right. So my buddy's like, I'm going to throw a rock back at it. And I said, I don't think that's a good idea. Uh, because either, either it's a person or a Bigfoot and it's a lose, lose. I mean, we we don't have, there's no winning out of that scenario. So, uh, he throws a rock back at it and I knew it wasn't a person at that exact moment because a laptop sized boulder came crashing down through the trees and landed like 10 feet from us. <laughs> So totally outside of human range, we went and did some measurements the next day, and uh, the closest the thing could have been was like 100 yards away, and um, you can't throw a rock that far. Nobody could throw a rock that far, so uh, it was really cool, and that kind of got me, that was my first kind of a, a little experience in a big footing, and that um, kind of got me hooked, and I wanted wanted to see... And I still want to see what threw rocks at me out there back back then, so many years ago. Wow. What part of North Florida were you in? I was in Terea State Park. So that's in the Panhandle, which mm-hmm. is about 30 miles from Georgia and about 60 miles from the Gulf of Mexico. Okay. I used to live in southern Alabama, about 20 minutes oh, yeah. away from Pensacola. Nice. Okay. So, yeah, a little bit uh, west of that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, one of the funny things is, like, I was talking to some a hunter when I first moved down there. I had asked him, uh, you know, if he ever saw a Bigfoot. He was like a deer hunter. And he goes, more likely to see a Bigfoot than I am a deer. <laughs> so they're definitely in that area. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to go down there. I have a tour coming up uh, in in uh next year and we're going down there to the georgia area um in march so i'm excited to get down there uh, and then we're going into um, florida in february so it'll be a nice little reunion going down there and seeing everybody smart to go to florida in february oh yeah especially if yeah. you live in new jersey yeah well you have to that's the thing <laughs> yeah you have to get away from the snow <laughs> So what 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 happened next? Like what took you from you had this Bigfoot experience, and how do you go? So you know how do you start the YouTube channel and, and make it into entertainment that you're doing now? Yeah. So um, it took a while. Um, I went out after that, and I had some more. Um, you know, another Bigfoot experience where I saw eye shine. 
mm-hmm. and that kind of sealed the deal. Like, okay, there's something out there now. I know that, and now I'm going to figure it out. And it took about five years for me to make the show, but I, I started getting into really into watching all the TV shows, finding Bigfoot, Expedition Bigfoot. There's some other ones um, that were on back in the day. Um, and I got involved with the BFRO. I was an investigator with them and did all that kind of good stuff. And then I'm like, man, you know, I'm kind of really, uh, upset by the lack of the, the trueness of what Bigfoot research truly is. Because if you watch a Bigfoot TV show, depending on what show you watch, it makes us look like we're a bunch of idiots running around through the woods. Uh, so, so it's important, I think, that to show people that we don't do that. Um, well, not, uh, not all of us anyway. And, um, to show what Bigfooting is actually about. So that's why I made the show. And now we're filming season seven. So people seem to like it. What makes your show different than the other shows? We show the behind the scenes stuff that the other shows don't show. We show like driving to camp. We show the campground camaraderie, the funny jokes and stuff we, we, we tell at camp and we, we show, uh, going to, 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 you know, buy groceries and stuff in, in, in mid, in these little towns in the middle of nowhere, USA, which is really cool. That brings tourism to, to those towns, which is a kind of benefit of the show that nobody thought of when creating the show. Um, and then it's just, um, it's, it's filmed. I think the major thing about it is it's filmed in an amateur style where, where it's, it's designed to, to, for, for future squatchers and squatchettes, little, little squatchers and squatchettes to, to come and, and into this field of Bigfooting and be able to go out and make their own shows. And hopefully, uh, by doing that, they can, you know, experience nature kind of a little bit younger than, than I did. That's the, the whole mission statement of the show is to, is to, um, help friends and families get outside and off the couch and into nature more. And that's a good thing. Uh, part of, I believe, squatching is about uh, reconnecting too, to mm-hmm. nature. Because a lot of the people that have had Bigfoot re- researchers will say that the first, one of the first things you have to do in order to encounter a Bigfoot is to be able to calm down and be back sort of with one with nature. Like Ron Moorhead even mentioned that to me. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think it's... Um at the very basics of, of anything really going out mm-hmm. into the woods. It's about connecting with whatever you're trying to connect with, whether it be hunting, the bit that be the animals hiking, it be the nature and the terrain and, and stuff like that. Um, it, as long as you, um, bring it back to the basics, I think, you know, we can all get, um, you know, high tech and geared up and everything like that. And that I think helps assist our efforts looking for Bigfoot. But if you don't believe and truly have an understanding and a, a, a just the right frame of mind going into the woods, you're never going to find anything. So how did you get a team together to do the show? Like, How did you find like-minded people that are willing to put in this kind of work? Yeah, it's, um, well, I do the show by myself. Um, I'm trying to find some mm-hmm. other people, but it's hard because, um, the show doesn't, unfortunately, I can't pay a staff to, to do that, nor what I want to. It's not designed. The show's not designed for that. But, um, I got my team together by just going on Facebook. Um, every state has their own, uh, Bigfoot, uh, Bigfooters page, if you will. 
And that's a great way to meet some people and to connect with some like-minded people that, that you may want to uh, connect with. I don't think uh, you have to spend X amount of money to go out into the field on one of these BFRO expeditions just to meet people. I don't think that's necessary at all. I think you could do it right from right from your computer. Hmm. Could somebody like me just grab a backpack and um, some binoculars and whatever and just go out into the Jersey Pines and look for a Bigfoot? I would do your due diligence and your research beforehand. I mean, if, if uh, uh, obviously safety comes into you know, priority when it comes to going out and, and, and doing stuff by yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're experienced and, and you have, uh, you know, the, the history of backpacking or, or, you know, hiking and stuff like that. Yeah. You don't need too much to go out look for Bigfoot. All you need is really, uh, some people don't even bring cameras out there. So all you need is yourself. Really. Uh, I think if you want to get some evidence of Bigfoot, bring a voice recorder, that would be uh that's probably the best way to obtain evidence of a Bigfoot. Uh, and then maybe a camera just in case you see some really cool pictures and stuff. But no, you don't need much. You don't need, you don't need all these powerful high tech equipment stuff like the FLIR cameras and the night vision binoculars and stuff like that. You don't need all that stuff. So what evidence have you collected? Oh man, we've, uh, we got, uh, I was actually just looking at it the other day, um, uh, in 2014, we got a footprint from up in High Point State Park in, in New Jersey, and that was um, uh, it was like a 15 and a half inch footprint, and it was it's wild. Um, uh, and people say that I, I don't have a picture of it, but um, people say it could be like a bear double step because sometimes when a bear right. steps over. Um, uh, on itself, uh, his back paw would step on the front paw and kind of make it look like a, a human footprint. But if that was a human footprint, it would have been a, uh, or if that was a black bear footprint, that would have been a record-sized black bear, which is New Jersey's record size, 800 pounds, plus an additional 200 pounds because of the dimensions of the track. Mm-hmm. So that would have been a 1,000-pound black bear, which is, you know, pretty cool, regardless if it was a Bigfoot or a black bear. Uh, that's pretty pretty neato. Um, we've got some vocalizations, uh, that we've recorded that have come back, uh, also from High Point State Park that, uh, I've sent to a linguist from the military who does Sasquatch bioacoustics on the side. Mm-hmm. Talk about a, talk about a niche, I guess. Um, <laughs> he, uh, but he, you know, he came back and said because of X, Y, and Z, they're outside of human vocal range and they're no known, uh, species of animals. So that's really cool that have a scientist come back and say that um, stuff for for evidence that you've collected. Most people would never think there would be a Sasquatch in New Jersey. Well, no, there, in fact, there's nine of them. I think uh, there's I think there's two family groups that mm-hmm. that uh, travel counterclockwise around the state every third year. Really? Um, sightings sightings increase in New Jersey depending on what county you're in. Say you're down in the Pine Barrens. That's where I'm at. Yeah. Um, Every third year, sightings increase by 80%. Hmm. So we have to ask ourselves why, you know, why would that, why would that make sense? And you can actually follow them, like I said, counterclockwise around the state. And, uh, it like, like, for example, this year we've had 11 Bigfoot sightings in Sussex County, which is my county. Um, and we've not had any from any other counties. Uh, they're actually starting to migrate, move into Warren County now, which is cool. I was out there hiking today. Um, 
But we think, and the reason why I think um, they come in three-year patterns is uh, because they follow the food. I think they're nomadic. And if you take, like, I think they eat the same things that, like, bear eat. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you take, that's like a lot of berry bushes. So if you take some berry bushes and you strip them, like, 100% down to where there's no more berries on them, it takes three years for those berries to grow back. So I think uh, that's why you see that three-year kind of nomadic movement around the state, which is pretty interesting. I've never heard that theory about them, a three-year cycle. Yeah, and I, I would challenge any of your listeners and, and to to look at sightings in their area and try to figure out uh, movements that they could find. Or, for example, in New Jersey, um, I could be wrong. I, I could be totally wrong. <laughs> you know, so anybody, you know, that has the ability to go out and look at reports and, and stuff, I would totally suggest that um, it'd be fun to find these little patterns and, and uh, different things that Bigfoot do, start putting the puzzle pieces together. Yeah. Like most of the reports that I, not reports, but most of the theories that I've heard that when we're talking about Bigfoot as an animal or an actual cryptid tend to say that they'll they feed off of deer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think it would make I think they do eat deer and small animals, but I don't think it would make sense um, caloric intake wise for a Bigfoot to chase down a deer. Uh, maybe they hunt in packs that that could be possible. But um, I know if you've ever seen a deer run, they mm-hmm. uh, they're they're no they're no joke. There's there's some pretty interesting fast animals. So for a Bigfoot to be able to run that fast to keep up with a deer and then chase one down. I don't know if that's, if it's going to do that. Um, I don't, I don't think it could, it, I think it could, but would it, I don't know. I think it would rather eat on toads and some, some berry bushes and stuff where you don't have to chase down something and get your calories that way. Just like, just like black bear do. I guess it depends on how athletic he is. Or lazy, however yeah. you want to look at it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that, so the berries would be an easier thing, like toads, stuff out of creeks, things like that. Definitely would also be f- easier food source. Well, we, what makes you think that is an animal, an actual physical animal, versus the other school of thought where people will say it's more of a paranormal phenomenon? Yeah. Um, it's just uh, the, the reason why I think that, and I don't think that if, as long as you have an opinion on the topic, I think you're probably ahead of the game. Um, but I, I find that they're a biological creature, just like, you know, a chipmunk or an eagle or something like that. Um, uh, and I think that just because of the evidence that I've found would lead me to believe that um, nothing has led me to the to believe that they're related to UFOs or that they can be an interdimensional type thing or any other um, non-biological processes, I guess, if you will, um, that can happen. Uh, But I would, and just like the, the, the theory about their patterns and their movements, I would challenge anybody Mm. uh, change my mind, please. You know, if you have some evidence that, that, you know, the Bigfoot, cloaking on on video or something like that i would love to see that you know change change my mind it's just i haven't came across that myself then how do you explain that nobody has found it 
What do you mean? If, if Bigfoot is an animal, a large animal, we're talking about something that's nine feet tall, thousand pounds. Sure. How can that go un um, verified for all the way up until now? Well, there was a guy um, that lived uh, about fifty feet off the Appalachian Trail in Maine. Uh, mm-hmm. for 35 years and he went undetected uh, he had fires he the, he the the way he uh, survived was he stole stuff and that's how he actually ended up getting caught was he was stealing cookies from the Girl Scout camp down the road um, but uh, if you have a little intelligence and I'm not saying this gentleman had a lot of intelligence uh, he didn't go to school he wasn't too um, proficient in in school and stuff um, However, he was able to maintain this distance and, and he didn't talk to anybody for literally 35 years or something like that. Um, that's amazing in itself, but I think if you have the population that big, we do have with Bigfoot, um, just uh, like I said before, uh, take for New Jersey, for example, where I believe that there's nine individual Bigfoot. Uh, if you put them in a space over the size of New Jersey and we put nine people in New Jersey, you're never going to find them, ever. Just like you wouldn't find nine deer in the state of New Jersey if, if you had every piece of uh, available equipment, uh, you wouldn't be able to find the nine deer. If you think there's nine Bigfoot here in New Jersey, why would the po- why is the population so small? And if that population is like all one family pod, then that would how would they be re- reproducing with each other? Yeah, I think there's actually two family groups. I mm-hmm. think there's a group of five and a group of four. Um, just on a side note, the the group of five comes about a month before the group of four does, uh, and it has redder hair. That's from the from the sightings. Uh, has a red hair, and then the second group family group has of four has like black color hair, which is really cool. And they come about a month after that first group. Um, but I think they co they, they got to mingle with other Bigfoots, obviously, for mm-hmm. procreation and, and for population purposes. So I do think that they cross the Delaware River when they're up this way. And I do think they cross into New York State and, and kind of mingle with the New York State Bigfoot as well, as well. Yeah, I guess they wouldn't really recognize state boundaries. Of course, yeah. There's no geographical boundaries when it comes to Bigfoot. Yeah, they don't have to pay tolls like we do. Yeah, (laughs) I went over that Dingman's Bridge toll. I don't know if anybody's familiar with that, but oh man, two dollars to go over that piece of piece of work in the middle of nowhere is something. I do know where that one is. Um, so. It's interesting, like you say about the two families and them, you know, you know, I've heard also heard about them, you know, migrating, to, you know, being migratory for whatever reason. Like you you've come up with the theory that they're migrating around for the berries. Mm-hmm. Um, do you? Th- I mean, do you think you mentioned like, like intelligence-wise? Do you think they're a relative of the human, or do you think they're just a some type of a primate like a gorilla, even though we're supposedly related to. Well, if you date that far enough, we're all related to to one another. Um, I think that uh, Bigfoot is kind of like an ancient human. I think they're, uh, they're, 
I'm going to take the route of the Denisovan uh, uh, species where we have like a little finger bone of one of them. And they were from like 10,000 years ago, totally lived alongside of modern day humans, um, but died out through the ice age. However, I think a small relic population of them uh, happened to still live on. And as we uh, ev evolved and as our body evolved uh, to grow less hair and stuff like that, uh, I don't think the Bigfoots took the same route that we did. Um, I think they're intelligent to the point where they have some communication with each other. Uh, obviously, I don't think they have a written language or anything like that. I don't think they could start fire. Uh, I don't think they're intelligent by that means, but I do think that they're highly intelligent where when it comes to avoidance and uh, remaining undetected. I think they're they're programmed that way to uh, just like some intuition, some other some animals are, are scared of humans. So I think what a Bigfoot would be. And I think they'd just be highly keen, keenly aware of that. Okay, so you think they're part of the hev the human evolution, like sort of like a missing link type of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yep. And um, so you don't believe that it could just be ordinary feral humans? Uh, well, I don't think that we would be able to to have a population of feral humans um, as such as uh, a Bigfoot creature, if you will. Um it's it's hard. Failed humans do exist in very small, uh, isolated areas, but Bigfoot um, are it's, it's not an isolated thing. This is across multiple, you know, states. Uh, even though we don't have geographic mm -hmm. boundaries, but all throughout the country and and different uh, continents, even. So I don't think um, they would be like a feral population of humans. No. Plus, they're probably too big. Well, yeah, yeah. I think, um, you know, when we think of feral humans, I don't think we think of people thriving as Bigfoot would, although I could be wrong. Maybe maybe I'm wrong with that. Do you think that there's any connection between Bigfoot and Dogman? See, that's interesting, too. I've spent a lot of time in the woods, and I solely uh, look for Bigfoot. Um I have not come across any signs of a dog man. Uh, I'm not saying that they don't exist. I'm just saying that I haven't seen one. Um, do I think they're related? I think they're related under the umbrella of the cryptozoological creatures. Uh, but I don't think they're, um, they're related as in this is a Bigfoot's cousin dog man type of thing. I think they're two, two completely separate creatures. Jersey devil. Oh, you don't want me to get into that. If I do. That's Jersey. where I live, man. I'm in, <laughs> I'm in the heart of devil country. <laughs> so, so here, here's here's my theory about the Jersey Devil. We have this very um, folklorish story about the thirteenth child being born to Mother Leeds, and and the the devil or the child was born grew uh, bat wings and a horse head and sprouted a little tail, and then killed the mother, flew up through the chimney, and terrorizes people to this day in the Pine Barrens, is, is how the story goes. Now, that's very folklorish. Uh, I don't think that actually happened, unfortunately, as crazy as that would be. Um, but the people down in southern New Jersey 
do swear that they have seen this Jersey devil. In fact, and I think it was 1909 that closed schools and factories for like a week down in South Jersey. Um, but as much as I'm down there, I've never, and nobody, uh, as far as I'm aware, has ever found footprints of a Jersey devil. I know they fly and they roast in trees and stuff like that, but it's a very, the, the pine barrens, as you know, are very sandy and very great for leaving mm. footprints in. So I'm, I'm sure hoofprints would be found somewhere. Um, and, it, you, you know, we might not be friends after this one, but I will go out on a limb and say that the Jersey Devil, seven foot tall, glowing red eyes, screams in the middle of the night. That's what I think, how I would describe Sasquatch. Seven foot tall, glowing red eyes, screams at night. So I think <coughs> that the Jersey Devil may actually be a misidentification of a Bigfoot. I think that's an absolute possibility, too. I was wondering, you know, I either think it's, it's a Bigfoot or a Thunderbird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, I don't know. I don't know. Those Thunderbirds are pretty cool. Um, if there was more of a, um, a sighting, uh, more, more, I'm not to say legitimate sightings, but just more of a database of sightings of the Jersey Devil. I could say, okay, maybe there's something to this and mm-hmm. there, there may be something behind it. But, um, unfortunately, I think back in the day, um, uh, back in that 1909 incident, I think, uh, it was just a misidentification of a sandhill crane, actually, because, because they, uh, sometimes these sandhill cranes migrate up from Georgia and Florida. And they, they come up to New Jersey, as far as New Jersey. And if you're, um, in 1909, you don't have the, you know, any sort of information on these birds. And if you've ever seen or heard them, they're very awkward looking. They look like a very weird, uh, crane with red eyes and a, the sound it makes is horrific. So, um, that may very easily be explainable by those early, early instances of the Jersey Devil. Some of those incidents even go all the way up into Philadelphia. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, and the Camden and and Philly, Philly, absolutely, yeah. The Philadelphia Zoo actually offered a ten thousand dollar bounty for the capture of the Jersey Devil. Mm-hmm. Have you done any um, searching down here in the pines for before oh, yeah. the Jersey Devil? Yeah, we found footprints down there. That's a that's uh that's where we go to find footprints. If we want to find footprints, really? we go down to the one of the rivers down there. Hmm. What's well, yeah. What's I'm not gonna tell you. it's like telling you my favorite fishing spot. What? I'm not gonna go to All right. Oh okay. <laughs> can I come with you the next time we're down here? Absolutely. That we can do. We'll arrange that like uh we're not recording. That, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what um what's cool about it is we go down there uh every third year, give or take, uh because of my three year cycle and we, we go hiking uh off trail to this um about a mile or so. Uh, to the, to this river has a very muddy bank on it and, um, we find footprints. And what's cool is the first year we found them, they were small. Mm-hmm. And the, the time after that, they were a little bit bigger. The time after that, they're a little bit bigger. So they keep growing every third time we're down there and they're in the same spot each time, which is very awesome. Um, 
it's if it was uh if it was a person uh trying to hoax that i mean go figure i don't tell anybody where i'm going to be before i'm down there so it's like you know nobody knows where i'm going to be to to make any of those tracks so that's cool but uh yeah, uh, I know um, there's a good buddy of mine, Eric Spinner. He does a lot of work, a lot of Jersey Devil, or not Jersey Devil, but a lot of Bigfoot work down the Pine Barrens. He's a friend of mine. Oh, you got to get me in touch with him. I'm kind of looking to, for somebody down here to go squatching with. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll hook you up for sure. Yeah. Because there's so much down here. Like, there's so much land. There has to be. Yeah. There has to be some Bigfoot here. Well, people don't realize it's it's the... You know, the largest tract of land between Maine and Florida on the Atlantic seaboard. So that's that's uh that's pretty big. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's very expansive. So what other types of evidence like what is your favorite piece of evidence not that you've collected, that you've seen? Is it like the Patterson film? You know, is it um that Fleer from Florida that's pretty famous? What do you yeah, have a favorite a cool piece? One too. Uh, my favorite piece of evidence is actually an, a piece of audio evidence that comes from St. Cloud County, Minnesota, I believe. Uh, and if you look at Sasquatch Bioacoustic on YouTube, it'll come uh, it'll come up there. But it's uh, it's a series. I believe it's like six minutes long of um, this really, really in depth uh, multiple vocalizer Bigfoot howls, and it's just so cool. Um, and you know, you, you listen to it and you try to put yourself there and in, in that situation. And it's like, Oh man, what would you do? I don't know what I would do if I was, if I was listening to that, but I, I would highly recommend anybody that's into the Bigfoot vocalizations to, to take a listen to that clip. It's very awesome. What do you think of the Sierra sounds? Very cool. I don't know. Um, I don't. There's so many, there's, there's so much that's unknown about that. It's just, it's so ridiculously real, <laughs> you know, it's, it's so hard to make that up. I don't think you'd, you'd be able to fake that. No, I don't think so either. And I've had Ron on a couple of times. Right. And, uh, yeah. And I believe and him, I believe him 100%. And he's an upstanding person he too. Is. You could. But some of these people, you know, like I could see, you know, you may have to, you know, think twice about, you know, listening to something that they say. But, uh, you know, I've had the pleasure of meeting Ron before, too. And he's he's just a, he's a great all around great person. And it's weird because in that recording, there's a part of it where it sounds like almost like talking Chinese. Mm -hmm. Actually, we just had a report um, from Florida. I believe it was from Jennings State Forest. Out, no, it was from the Green Swamp in Florida. Uh, where uh, somebody heard a police officer actually heard um, two female. He he was backpacking in the green swamp and he heard two female Chinese speaking women speaking Chinese backwards. Is the way he described it. And uh, nobody ever showed up at the trail. It was on a trail. He was camping there. Nobody ever passed him. They just kind of were just stopped. Uh, the voices stopped. So that was that's really strange that you bring up Chinese sounding mm -hmm. because that's exactly how he described it as well. It, it's what it sounds like. It sounds like Chinese to me. What tells me that there's probably some, they might be speaking a more advanced language. That they're, they're maybe their communication is closer to ours. It's possible. Yeah, I'm not saying it's not possible. I think on the low end that they definitely 
uh, do communicate somehow, whether it be vocalizations, whoops, howlers, hollers, or howls and stuff like that. Um, but it could definitely be more if, you know, because of the Sierra sounds, that could be a very good insight into how they do communicate with each other in a close-up kind of interaction setting. What do you think about, like, a lot of people have encounters with them, and they describe that sensation of being frozen. They cannot move. They become paralyzed. Mm -hmm. Do you think that Sasquatches use some type of infrasound? You know, I I was hiking one time, and I had th I had never put too much weight in behind infrasound before uh, before this, but I was I was hiking on this path uh, behind my property up here in Sussex County, um, and I I've hiked it I could hike it eyes blindfolded at night backwards. No problem. You know, I've been on this trail hundreds of times and something one night stopped me. I got dropped off because I was doing a one way hike and something I it was like a brick wall. And I don't know if I got zapped or or zapped by infrasound, if you will, or or whatever happened. But I knew that if I went any further, something was going to happen. Something bad was going to happen to me. And like I said, it was so I had to call my friend to come back and get me because I didn't finish a hike. I was like a mile and a half in the woods and I was like, nope, I can't finish a three mile hike. I'm not going to do this um, because of that thing. And I, I just don't, to this day, I don't know what it is. It's actually on my YouTube channel. You could see it. It's just, um, uh, it's, it's so strange. And I can't, I can't put that up to being zapped because I didn't feel anything besides, besides like all the hair standing up on me, I guess. I don't know. That's what a lot of people describe. Yeah. Do you think they can communicate tele with telepathy? No, I don't think. I think that's um, now you're starting to get more into the um, other types of the other camps, mm -hmm. if you will. And uh, uh, I'm strictly at that biological thought process. So you don't think they have anything to do with UFOs, orbs, anything like that? You know, and it's funny, you know, I don't, I don't know. Um, again, if anybody can prove to me and show me some evidence, um, I've seen orbs in the woods before. I can't explain them. I have no idea what they are. And, you know, I, I even, there was one time where we, again, in High Point State Park, but the man, that park is, is definitely produces some stuff, but we actually, on the same night, we got that really great Bigfoot howl about 20 minutes beforehand and there were five of us there and we all saw it um it was just a a red light that zigzagged it was like doing like a w or an m across the sky no uh, excuse me um and it we all saw it and then we about like like i said 20 minutes later we get this bigfoot howl but it's not that's they're not close enough to me for me to be able to to connect the two and some people are like how how is that not possible how can you not connect the two and i'm just like i don't know i just i just can't right now i don't know statistically what are the chances of seeing a ufo and hearing a bigfoot on the same night 20 minutes apart i get it <laughs> i understand you know i get i get it uh, um i i if it was five minutes, you'd have a better chance of me saying it was they were connected. Twenty minutes, I don't know. 
I've only seen a UFO once, you know, you have to hear a squat. Say it again. I haven't seen, I've only seen one UFO and I've never seen a squat or heard a squat. Mm. So, I don't know. They have both in the same night? Yeah, I, I don't That's, know. And then I, either, I you got, either they're connected or you're the luckiest guy in the world. I, <laughs> I know I'm not the luckiest guy in the world. And I, I so they, I guess they got to be connected. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. You know, and I've, I've not done too much thinking about that. I, I um, Maybe it's because I don't want to. Because I am of that biological camp that I don't want to connect the two, um, but uh, it's not like I d- deny that they happen. You know, I, I, I do I do tell the story and say that it could be, could be something. What do you think about the um, tradition with Native Americans gifting with watches? Okay, so um, yeah, every every Native American tribe in North America has a story about a Bigfoot, which is <clears> awesome. <throat> um, and they they are they have gifted, I guess, in the past. And uh, for from what uh, I gather about the Native American gifting process, is that they're um, more so uh, appeasing this Bigfoot to uh, to not. Um, to, to maintain their crops and, 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 uh, not, um, have any hunters have accidents and stuff like that and keep everybody safe, uh, and everything kind of on the same nice and easy level as where it should be. Um, just like sacrifices mm-hmm. and stuff in ancient cultures. Uh, kind of, I think Native Americans would do the same thing. Um, and even nowadays, uh, people do still gift, and I guess it's the same kind of process, uh, same kind of thought process anyways. And let's leave something for the Bigfoot in hopes that the Bigfoot will, uh, do what we want it to do and whatever that may be, come out to take a picture of it or just leave us alone. You know, um, people still do that to this day. Do you do it? And have you gotten any results? I've not gifted. I, I've I've left a gift once, but it, a gifting is you got to do it multiple times. It's a uh, it's a habituation type thing. Um, so no, I've never done that. Um, uh, and a lot of people are against it. Um, I think if you have the the ability to go for it, you know, I don't think it's gonna it's not gonna it's not like you're feeding them. It's not like you're doing anything. Leaving a toy out for an intelligent animal, I think, is a great idea. Mm-hmm. What do you th- do? You think that they feel threatened by humans? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think they're healthily aware of us. Um, meaning, uh, I think why we got those rocks thrown at us in Florida is because we were too close to these to this family group of Bigfoot. So they wanted to get us out of the area, and it would have totally worked if my buddy Jimmy wasn't there. If he wasn't there, I would have been gone, no question about it. So um, it didn't work that time, but uh, do I think that uh, – But and then again, I don't think – they didn't hit us, though. You know what I mean? Like, like they could have easily took us out with one of those rocks, but I think they were carefully placed that they didn't. So it – I think they they're healthily fearful of us. Yeah. What is it you think they fear from us? 
Ah, that's a good question. I don't know. I think, I think just the, um, like I kind of said before, I think, I think intuitionally, I think, I think Bigfoot know that they should stay away from humans. And if they interact with humans, then bad things happen. Um, who knows what that may be? I don't know. Um, for example, I know I can't swim. I'm petrified of water. So I just don't go by water. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So if, if, if I know that humans are bad things and meant bad things to me, I just probably wouldn't go by humans. And if humans were to come too close to me that I couldn't safely make it out of the area in time, then I would have to, I would have to, you know, throw rocks at you, get you out of the area. Makes sense. It's amazing. I've never heard a story of a human being killed by a Sasquatch. Well, you wouldn't. I don't think, you know, you would. Uh, I don't think a Bigfoot. But I've, I've not heard of any attacks on humans either. So, um, you know, there are some historical accounts of Bigfoots attacking humans well, and stuff like, like that. Rock Canyon incident, I think it's called. Yeah. Yeah, the Rock Canyon thing is pretty interesting. That's more of aggressive type Bigfoots where they, they don't necessarily attack a human. Um but, uh, it's, it, it's interesting. Um, you, you know, um, do they know that if some, if they were to hit, if, if, if I think that they would be, that they would know enough, like if one of those rocks hit me, then there would be people with guns and lights searching this entire forest looking for, looking for me. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that they, they might have that much intuition, uh, going for them. Sounds more. It sounds like it's more than intuition. It's calculation. Mm. Yeah, that that definitely is. Uh, that sounds about right. It's more more so of a, a calculated action. <clears throat> I've had some other guests on here that say they've had communication with Sasquatch through again through telepathy, which I know you don't really buy into. Right. But all of them say that the Sasquatch sort of has the same message to humanity whether they're communicating through telepathy or some type of spiritual means, whatever it is, they all say that Sasquatch is upset that we are destroying the environment. Sure. You think that is true? Well, I think, um, again, I don't buy into the the telepathy, so I I can't, I can't answer that section of your question Mm -hmm. for you. But if, if I, um, if if we believe in what what we our morals and our our values are then absolutely then um of course bigfoot would be the protector of the forest if you will um and and try to do no do no harm if you will to the forest and and um i know you know kids you know people People tell tell their kids you don't go in the woods at night because the boogeyman will get you type thing, um, and and that's uh, not to say that's destroying the woods, but that's kind of along the same lines of don't do anything that you're not supposed to do type mm-hmm. of thing, or else Bigfoot will get you. Hmm. Plus, if Bigfoot re- re- relies on berries, for example, to survive. And we come by and kill all the berries. Yeah. It causes a problem. Yeah, sure does. Um, I, I think that that means that 
you know, Bigfoot would have to change their, 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 their nomadic, their nomadic movements. Um, and I think they have to do that, um, now with all the, you know, especially in New Jersey with all the new building that's going on, you know, uh, to make it from South Jersey to North Jersey, which I think they do is difficult. You know, it's not, you know, especially in that central Jersey kind of little area that you don't have too, too much going on, you know, too many, not too much forest going on there. There's like you. nothing in the middle of the state. Yeah. Yeah. You got Duke Farms. That's about it. Yeah. 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 Once you get like around um, Princeton area and mm. all that, there's nothing. <clears throat> but that's not to say I don't think they, they still can do it. I think there's enough farmlands for them to move. And I don't think that they stay in central Jersey for any amount of time. Mm -hmm. uh, if you just look at the sightings down there, there's not many, um, you know, there's, there's plenty of sightings up here in North Jersey and a ton down in South Jersey, but not too many in central Jersey. Do you think um, they follow like power lines? Oh, because absolutely. Those are, you know, still sort of cut off from, yeah, there's a great way to travel without being seen. Well, and you think about it too, is what grows along power lines? as many berry bushes as you could possibly find everything eats along uh the power lines um and not even just power lines you also have like gas line cuts any type mm -hmm. of right-of-way access any uh rail trails i think they take high advantage of that's why whenever i go on a rail trail i always try to look for uh for you know good footprints especially if it was raining hmm. yeah i would think that's probably how they're getting across the state and not walking through people's backyards. Yeah, yeah. No, I think they're that's. Uh, I think they're too intelligent for that. Yeah, I know. There's been um, uh, there's a there's a nice set of power lines that goes through a Lair State Park, and uh, that's in Central Jersey. And I, there's been a bunch of sightings and footprint finds along that. So I think that's absolutely correct. Hmm. Yeah. How about up in the mountains? Do you think they follow mountains, mountain ridges? Uh, I yeah they, they could follow the ridge lines I think they would um, uh, probably if they I mean I was out off trail hiking today and it wasn't too fun because uh, there's a lot of a lot of you know mountain laurel out and stuff you just really can't get through uh, so I think that they would follow like trails that humans use too just like um, uh, other animals do like deer and mm -hmm. stuff. They follow our trails, uh, but they also have their own trails that they follow too. So, um, I don't know. I think whatever makes sense for a Bigfoot, um, to remain undetected, but for the easiest route of travel, I think would be, you know, and that's why I think those power lines are a plus for, for traveling for a Bigfoot. How about the parkway? Oh, the New Jersey parkway. Yeah. There's been there's been uh, sightings right uh, from underneath the underpasses of the parkway actually. I believe it. I mean, you see tons of deer, mm -hmm. so animals oh, yeah. use it. So yeah, why wouldn't Bigfoot? They would have to get across at some point. If if my theory is correct, they would have to they would have to get across these main thoroughfares somehow, and and just like you said, uh, other animals definitely do it. So I think a Bigfoot could do it as well. So you have to wait till late at night, I guess. Right, of course. I mean, you're not gonna you're not gonna run across the parkway during rush hour, but uh, but I think you know one two o'clock in the morning when you don't have anybody, you know, traveling, you could see and hear a car coming from miles away. So, but then again, that's how most Bigfoot sightings happen or, or road crossings. So that's interesting too. 
Why do you think nobody's ever hit a Bigfoot? Like, people always hit deer here in New Jersey. Well, yeah, I, I mean, you you, you got to think of the population. I, I just don't think there's a population for for there to to be a, a, a road incidents with with Bigfoot. Why do you think their population is so small? There there doesn't need to be a big population. Uh, I think everything is very homo homostatic where where it is uh, in the Bigfoot world where they don't need. I think there's like two thousand of them in the United States. I don't think you need to have more than them, but I think you need to have at least that many for population, uh, you know, procreation, stuff like that. Um, but uh, just just like um, if you have for take deer, for example, you have uh, deer getting hit by cars all the time and deer have this wasting disease that's going on and stuff like that. That's because there's just too many deer in the in the state. Sussex County has the highest density of black bear population east of the Mississippi. And I can count the number of times in one hand that I've count that I've seen a bear in the, in the county. Mm-hmm. I go hiking. So, so we definitely have the population of bear here. We just don't have the sightings, which is, I think a perfect example of what, how Bigfoot how are the same, same way. Hmm. So they just they purposely keep their population low. Yeah, I don't think, um, you know, I, I think like the life cycle of a Bigfoot would indicate how many children that a Bigfoot was able to have within their life. Uh, I think a Bigfoot probably lives 50 to 60 years, um, which would mean you have like two or three kids, you know, uh, maybe four kids if you're if you're trying. Uh, but I and I think their gestation period is, is semi similar to humans. So. It's possible you could have a big family, but um, I don't think it's necessary. Nor, nor um, you know, the Bigfoot maybe even be smart enough to say, "Hey, if we have another kid, we got to feed that other kid," and that's that's less berries for all of us. Who knows? They could be that intelligent. Possibly. Maybe they just don't need to. I mean, I mean, why do you? If, if they're living only only say fifty years. Do you think it's a low population that also is the reason why we don't find any skeletal remains? No, no. Well, yeah, I think obviously the population is, is going to dictate the remains that you find. Um, but if, you know, I ask hunters who have been hunting, you know, their entire lives in their woods, 50, 60 years, their entire lives. And I say, how many bear skeletons have you come across? And they... Everybody but one so far has had this epiphany. It's like, I haven't come across any of them. And we know that they're out there. So why? So why? We had to think, why don't we come across these? We come across deer skeletons, but again, we just talked about how deer, there's so many of them. Um, but bear are different and Bigfoot are different. But we also have um, scavengers up here. We have ravens. We have uh, porcupines, which eat bones. Uh, we also have very high acidity soil levels, which means like I could go from talking you and me to completely and totally nothing within like two weeks under the right conditions up here. So, so that's, that's, you know, you're looking at, at that point, you're looking for a needle within a pile of needles. But how about in like other areas? Like say, I think like if you go like in a, in a, in a swamp where if there's, sinks into the mud it can be preserved for a really long time 
Yeah, I mean, I suppose, but then you need to have somebody to find it as well. And and I don't know any humans going into besides, you know, people who are, you know, search and rescue personnel who aren't going into these swamps uh, on a, any semi-routinely basis looking for anything such as the remains of Bigfoot. I know I when I go out looking for Bigfoot, I just don't go into swamps if I don't have to. Maybe I should. Nothing wrong with going into the swamp. What's that? Nothing wrong with the swamp. <laughs> no, it's true. I've, I've gotten, you know, I can't say I haven't gotten myself in, in dirty. I, it was actually, um, uh, we were in the Pine Barrens, actually, and we were in a swampy area, and uh, a person that I was with actually sunk up to his, like, chest into uh, into like mud mm-hmm. and thankfully I was there because I had to like like rescue him type of thing but that always scares me dude especially when you're alone going off trail like that and into those kind of muddy areas because you never know what could be safe again we, we you don't know how safe. deep it is Exactly. You, 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 yeah. th- you walk on thinking it's ankle deep and it's really chest deep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then you lose your boots and you got to walk out without boots on and you know Nothing worse than quicksand <laughs> or quick mud, whatever that stuff quick is mud. here. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's your favorite TV show with the Bigfoot? Is it is it oh. was it Finding Bigfoot? I was going to say Bigfoot, Monster Quest. Oh, I was going Mountain to Men. Um, I like uh, to be honest. My my favorite <clears throat> Bigfoot show is uh, West Stroud Survivor Man. Uh, Survivor Man, Bigfoot. Okay, yeah, I've seen that. Um, and and I do enjoy that show because it it is uh, semi similar to mine. I think it's the closest uh, closest kind of um, the way it's filmed and stuff. But uh, I also um, respect him as a survivalist. So it's it's awesome that um, he is taking. He took this um, kind of non mainstream thing in the survivalist community, Bigfoot. And then took it kind of like, hey, something is actually out there, and I'm going to put some effort into going and finding that. And I think that's really the supreme and awesome that he did that. Hmm. I want to say mine is probably Expedition Bigfoot. Yeah, my thing about Expedition Bigfoot, and and you know, tell me I'm wrong if I'm wrong, but how do they how do they have like like blow dried hair every every episode. Oh, they must have a trailer somewhere with electricity. Yeah. That just cuz I don't know, that just kind of goes against the whole whole premise of being out in the middle of the woods with nothing for for days and weeks on end. I don't know. That's just my little two cents mm-hmm. about that one. So you got have this scruffy beard and some twigs in your hair and Yeah. Yeah, you know, the the wild man approach. <laughs> Uh, I, yeah, I, what about um, the Finding Bigfoot show? I think all of them are great. I think mm-hmm. um, uh, I've had the, the opportunity to meet all of them, and and um, I can't say say anything negative about about any one of them except Matt because me and Matt got into a fight one time, and he kicked me out of the BFRO. So I, really, I, you I, and Matt, moneymaker. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, being in the BFRO as an investigator, you're buddy buddy with Matt, and um, he, I was doing some things that he didn't like in the Bigfoot community, and and going off and doing some of my own stuff, and he was uh, unappreciative of that. Um, so we decided to split our own ways, 
and then I went on to make the show. That's that's the whole reason, kind of why I, I split ways with them is is I wanted to start the, the show. I can see. But that. as researchers, they're all great people. Um, Renee is not the skeptical person who everybody thinks you know she is. She believes mm-hmm. in Bigfoot too, which is really cool. You know, most people don't think that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was like one of the first shows I really started watching. I mean, other than other than when I was like really young, I'm probably a lot older than you, I think. But <laughs> but when I was a kid, it was a show called In Search of, and that's what got oh, yeah. me with Leonard Nimoy, and that's what got me started into all this stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, and you know, I can't say anything bad about Finding Bigfoot and and the BFRO or Matt even because they they are the people that got me into this, mm-hmm. you know, and I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you without them. So so I got to give them super super duper credit for that. Hmm. Cool, glad that everybody's on good terms. Yeah, it, it, there's no there's no you know the the community is too small to hold grudges and the to to keep to keep uh, to keep things. Uh, that are personal as, as in the way of research. It's just, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. So before we wrap it up, where's the best place for my people, my listeners to find your YouTube show? You could say people, you got people, people. you got the, you don't just have listeners. You got people, my friend, they're humans. <laughs> your people can find me on YouTube. Uh, uh, YouTube is called Sussex County Bigfoot. That's kind of our bread and butter of where we're at. Um, we're also on Instagram, Shadow of Red Eye. Uh, we're on Etsy, Shadow of Red Eye. Got some really cool Bigfoot merchandise and stuff. Uh, I know winter's coming up. We got a Bigfoot Christmas tree ornaments and stuff. I just got um, a bunch of Bigfoot uh, uh, decals in. Uh, so that's kind of cool. And then on Facebook is in the shadow of big red eye. Also look out for me on tour. I'm going all over, um, this next in 2023. So if, uh, you or anybody, you know, want to book me to come to like a library or present mm-hmm. at a place by you, uh, definitely visit my website, which is brand new shadow And you can find out all the information there. Man, I'd love to have you come down here and speak somewhere. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about that for sure. All right, cool. Well, thanks for coming on, and I'll put the links to your website and your YouTube channel in the notes of this episode. And it's been a pleasure having you on. Hang on for one moment while I play the outro. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable. You can reach Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com or message him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs, and other merchandise to support the cost of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of this page, www.everythingimaginable2020.com. You can also buy the book Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on Zen that you'll ever need. You can find it on Amazon, and it will change your life. Because remember, everything that it says was first imagined. 
loved what you listened to today, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and share. Again, thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable with Gary.